Hello, everyone. This is Matt Hubble and Natalie Dobkins. And welcome to the Canine Performance Podcast. If you're joining us on Instagram Live, thank you for being here on a Saturday afternoon. And today our topic is going to be all about consistency. Natalie, maybe catch them up, recap them on what we've covered so far in the five pillars of dog training, which is this little mini podcast series that we're doing right now. And then maybe feel free to jump right into consistency once you've given us that, that Spark Notes recap. Alrighty. So, so far in our other two podcast episodes, we have discussed the importance of timing and also motivation. So to give a spark notes of timing, you have a very small window in order to train your dog and whether or not they can correlate if a behavior is appropriate or inappropriate. And that is 1.3 seconds. Very crucial in dog training, almost like an art form, to be honest. The next podcast episode that we did was for motivation and how um, motivation is impacted by the environment, um, by their different types of motivation, which is food, toys, and then physical affection and praise as well. Talked a little bit about how you can build those up in your dog and the importance of a structured routine feeding schedule and the different ways to go about that. So going to jump right into it right now, and we're going to talk about consistency. So to give you a heads up, consistency is going to be a pretty long podcast episode because this is where I put in all the four different phases of dog learning. So to start us off, consistency is the key factor in ensuring behaviors become habits. So most of what we teach our dogs, it's super unnatural for them. So we have them sleep in a crate, walk on a leash, wear a collar, live inside of a house, not get into things that they shouldn't get into. All of these different things are all human rules and they're very unnatural for dogs. But with proper consistency, correct timing and using motivation and all the other pillars of dog training, we can ensure that these unnatural behaviors become natural for them in the long run and becomes instinctual. Um, And in turn, this will create a much better life for both you and your dog. Inconsistency, however, is the key factor in a regression of behaviors. So after a dog has been trained, so say that I were to send home my board and train right now, if the owner does not continuously reinforce all aspects of dog training that I have been teaching him, um, then those behaviors will cease to exist and essentially go into extinction. So so what you mean to tell me, Natalie, if I'm understanding this correctly, is that if you don't use it, you, you will lose, lose it. it. Absolutely wow, not. That's that profound. Is, that's correct. That's profound. Just like anything that you do in life, if you do not continuously do it, you're going to lose it. And your dog is exactly the same. So if you're not seeing the sort of behaviors that you want to be seeing, it's because you're either not motivating correctly, incorrect timing. But most of the time when it comes to pet owners, it comes down to a lack of consistency. Um, And so this is what I want to stress the most about dog training. If I'm having anyone listening to this podcast right now and you are just simply a dog owner and you're trying to learn more about your canine companion, if you do get your dog trained, please do realize that it is not black magic. It is always going to be 
in the maintenance phase. And so that's what I'm going to be uh, talking on next. We're going to go through the four phases of dog learning. Um, And you must pass through all of these four phases in order to reach success with training with your dog, regardless of the command. So think of these phases as the blueprint of learning um, and how dogs learn. So the four phases to recap what they are, it is number one, the learning phase, generalization phase, correction and distraction phase. And then finally we move into the maintenance phase. So for true dog trainers, understanding this process and the importance it plays in training a dog um, is really, really crucial. For example, if you are teaching your dog to down, to lay down, you would normally do it in the same location with the exact same posture, the same tone of voice, and your dog will begin to gain an understanding of what the down position means. However, if you really want to truly test your dog, if they understand a command or a behavior that you're asking of them, try moving your positioning. So maybe turn your back to them, change the environment. If you always do it in your living room, uh, do it in your bedroom, in your garage, um, outside on the driveway, whatever it may be. Um, And some dogs will completely just blank and not even do the command. Some dog trainers see that as disobedience, but true dog trainers that understand the four phases of dog learning understand that the environment changed. And so being in that normal environment, that's what made up the down command. Now that they don't have the living room, you facing them while giving the command, whatever it may be, if they don't have that anymore, then they don't understand that that's what the down behavior is. So I'm going to go right into what the learning phase is. During this phase, it consists of lots and lots and lots of repetitions. It depends on the dog. That's not something that I can answer of how many repetitions it can take. It can take 30 to 70. It can take 100 to 200. It really depends dog to dog, um, even with just very simple commands. So um, that's why consistency and timing and the relationship between the dog and the owner is very important. So Two couple of things that are used during the learning phase is going to be luring and free shaping. This alone is a very huge topic that I'm not going to cover in this podcast and we'll probably cover later on, but luring and free shaping during this is how we're going to get the behaviors that we want. Um, And so with luring, you're able to move the dog into different positions without physically grabbing the dog. So by using food, and moving our hands and our bodies, we're able to put the dog where we want them to be. When they get to the spot that we want them to be in, then we can mark that behavior with yes and then provide the fruit reward. After several, several repetitions, they'll understand, okay, this is the body positioning or this is the behavior that they're looking for and I'm going to get a reward for it. And then free shaping, on the other hand, is where you wait for the dog to offer behaviors and then you mark that behavior that they do with your reward uh, marker, which is going most likely going to be yes. And then you provide the food reward. So um, I use free shaping a lot um, in just everyday life with my dogs or even the board and trains or um, private lessons that I do, where if we are out in a stressful environment and the dog chooses to sit, That's a behavior that I want to have happen more frequently in the future. So I'm going to reward for them choosing to sit. I didn't tell them to sit. They chose to sit and I'm going to reward that behavior. So with both of these, um, with luring and with free shaping, 
you kind of want to operate under the you use it and then you lose it. So obviously always be rewarding your dog. And when they do something that you like, yes, reward for it. But you don't always want to have to be dependent on providing food reward or whatever it may be. At a certain point, we are going to have to expect our dogs to make better choices and behaviors regardless if there is a reward present. So number two of the learning phase is the generalization phase. So now that we have successfully taught the dog a new behavior like the down position, we've gone through possibly hundreds of repetitions in a familiar environment with limited distractions and stressors, um, and they successfully complete this behavior, um, now we're going to want to um, move into generalizing it. So no matter the change in environment, no matter the change in your body positioning and posture, no matter, um, you know, whatever it may be, when you give that command, we want them to understand that, okay, it doesn't matter if we're outside, if we're inside, whatever it is, the down command is simply solely me by myself offering a physical positioning. Um, so changing the picture, as we call it in dog training and adding in uh, new levels of stress and distractions is what we go into into the next phase, um, which is going to be the corrections and distraction phase. So another thing to note before I go on is that the generalizing a behavior it can take a really long time to do. Obviously, it depends on the dog, but for some dogs, they can't easily understand and grasp the action of a down that is independent of the change in your posture or the change in their environment. So moving into the next section um, of the learning phase, which is going to be corrections and the distractions. So adding distractions, it's inevitable in your dog's life. Um, while you may have super excellent control of your dog, in your living room, inside the house, maybe even in your driveway. Um, but if you move into a new environment, um, your dog may act like they've never gone through training in their entire life. And so our goal is to be able to succeed in any environment. So by slowly increasing the distractions them and holding them accountable to the behaviors that you want, um, it's going to reinforce those behaviors. So that way, no matter what happens, that they are going to be um, obeying your different commands that you do. So corrections that go along with that. So you still want to be using primarily positive reward based, even when introducing higher level of distractions and corrections being the last step. Um, while it's very important, there's different levels of corrections and the different types of corrections that we use in different situations. Um, and we try to avoid it as much as possible to set the dog up for success. Um, at some point, they are going to be too distracted and we need to correct them for that um, for that behavior. So remember that corrections applied appropriately at the right time is the only way to change a behavior in a dog without them without having corrections, then um, it's impossible to change a behavior. And I think that's where um, a lot of heads meet when it comes to balance training and then pure positive reward-based training. Um, but we're not going to get into that today. I'm going to move into the very last phase of the four learning phases, which is the maintenance phase. This is the most difficult part for pet owners when they get their dog back because the dog understands the behaviors the dog trainer has taken them through the first three learning phases and now it's up to them in the maintenance phase. So um, 
anything that we train their dogs, like we already mentioned, is very unnatural for them. So if not consistently maintained and constantly trained, the dog will lose that. Um, so everything that your trainer tells you to do, such as having a structured working walk, practicing those impulse controls when it comes to their crate, food and doors, um, not getting up on furniture, everything like that. That's how maintenance goes. So all those behaviors is just continuing on with all of that training. So those are the four phases of dog learning that we must go through in order for a dog to learn a new command or a new behavior. Very cool. Well, you know, I think a big part of consistency that people out there listening can probably appreciate is how important consistency is even for humans and in most of the things that we do in our daily lives. You know, there's not, there's literally nothing we do more of that we get worse at. And I think the same applies for dog training in the sense that if training your dog and maintaining their training and not keeping up with the standards that you've put in place for them, um, isn't met, they're just not going to be as good as they could be at it. And so after going through proper training, it's a shame for people not to be consistent. And it's a disservice to their dog not to be consistent. Um, so maybe talk about why consistency is so important um, for the overall health of dogs. You know, why is that important for their day-to-day lives and their longevity? Yeah, definitely. So why it's important is kind of why it goes back to the reason that the dog was trained in the first place. Typically they were expressing behaviors that were negatively impacting their owner's life, which also impacts the dog's life. Um, but also it helps keep them mentally healthy, having the structure, the rules, the boundaries, um, having that clear communication with them and holding them accountable for the different behaviors that they do. Not only will it keep them safe, but it will also keep them mentally balanced as well. So a dog that won't get into the trash and just chicken bones and have to have surgery, they practice thresholds so much so they know that an open door doesn't mean that you can go through it. So now you don't have a dog that runs through the door and will potentially get hit by a car. Um, When you're out walking, that isn't easily triggered by other things in the environment, that they have enough impulse control. They know that the things that trigger them, they shouldn't have movement towards it. And so they won't run off and get lost. So it's important for them for their safety, their physical well-being and their mental well-being as well. Awesome. Well, for people that are trying to implement more consistency into the daily structure that they have with their dog, what are some good ways to get consciously, you know, started in having more consistent training and more consistent um, participation with their dogs? Definitely. Excellent question because, I mean, that's the hardest part for any dog owner is just asking themselves, how can I be more consistent with training my dog? And the answer to that for me is to be able to easily integrate it into your life. And that's why when I train other dog owners, I implement things into their life that's easy to do. So for example, teaching impulse control and leadership, when you go to feed your dog, you have set times that you feed your dog. They're fed in at the same spot every single day and they need to sit and wait patiently, politely and um, quietly for their food before they are released. That's a super easy thing to do. You have to feed your dog regardless. Um, Before you go on a walk, having them sit and wait 
calmly and patiently and having those manners looking to you for guidance before exiting and leaving for the walk. Practices impulse control, establishes a sense of leadership, all of these different things. Um, And then one of the best things of being consistent is choosing one of your dog's meals, you know, several times a week or even every day to be able to hand feed them and practice some different commands like their sits, their downs, their heels, climb or place command, whatever it may be. Um, They have to eat anyway. And so that's a great way to build a relationship with them and integrating 10 minute sessions into your day with your dog one to three times per day is typically what I find to be pretty easy for dog owners. Yeah. And I think a a big aspect of dog training in general is just literally the consistency. I mean, even when we do the board and trains, really it's all about just getting the reps in and board and train is essentially us getting the reps in on someone else's behalf, you know, now given, you know, you do it so often and so frequently every day and with so many dogs that you understand the nuances in ways that they can't. But when you hear dog trainers or you read websites or different literature around dog training, it's all about building the relationship and all of these, you know, fluffy things. But at the, you know, behind the veil of it all, really all you're doing is you're getting in the reps with your dog, building that relationship, building those habits, um, and learning the ins and outs as you go along, just as you would with any other friend, spouse, significant other, what have you. Um, it's all about getting the reps in. Yeah. And that's a really excellent point is because a lot of dog owners, and I really hate to say it, but a lot of dog owners are just looking for the easy way out and they want a really quick fix. Um, and that's just, it's honestly not the case. You have to be able to put in the work be able to dedicate the time and be consistent with it um, to build that relationship with your dog to make sure that the behaviors that you want to see are going to stay because if not then they're going to go away and then it's going to be up to you again um, you know if you had a dog back from a board and train it's going to be up to you again to take them through all those different learning phases you're going to have to go through all of that again and put in all of the reps that you know, when you do a board and train, I do all the reps for you. Mm -hmm. And it's just like gaining momentum. And a lot of it parallels to progress in a setting like the gym, right? I mean, you could run a mile a day for a month. And if you take one or two days off, the next time you hop back on the treadmill, that mile seems a lot harder than it was, you know, before the two days you skip from it. And so um, that's where I feel there's a huge carryover, you know, into the results that people realize. And Um, I think a good example, you should probably touch base on the one client that you have that is a great example of how effective consistency can be, you know, with the hand feeding and even you're telling me that story the other day. Yeah, definitely. I had a um, a puppy lessons uh, or I had a puppy client and I was telling them how they can get their dog to listen to them a lot more. And I was having all of these uh, prescriptions for them. And one of the things that I showed them while I was there is establishing a really solid marker system and working on all of her different commands as a really young puppy. And they took it to the extent of even if they were out of the house and her dinner time was at seven and they brought her food to the brewery that they were at and they hand fed her there because that is the level of consistency that they have. Those are the types of people that are going to have a dog that is well-behaved very well balanced, um, and is going to live a really long and healthy life. That's going to be enjoyable, 
not only for the dog, but also for the owner as, as well, which is really great. And consistency is something that in my opinion can be really easy, easy to do if you're motivated to do it. And that's why I feel 100% comfortable and confident in assuring people that when I take their dog for a board and train that they can 100% have their money back if they show consistent proof that they did all of the things that I prescribed for 30 days. Because if so, 100%, you can have your money back. But most of the time, if anyone were to come back to me, which no one has, and say, hey, when they went through this board and train and I'm not seeing the results that I wanted, um, the first thing that I can ask is, okay, did you do the things that I told you to do every single day? Did you enforce it every single day? And most of the time, the answer is going to be no, because that is the hardest part when it comes to dog training, keeping them through that um, maintenance phase of the four stages of dog learning. Well, I think that's a great way to end things is, you know, make sure you're being a responsible and accountable dog owner. You know, owning a dog is not a passive responsibility. It's pretty much the closest thing you can do to having a, another child or another human being to take care of. So, you know, take it seriously. It's, it's definitely, um, it impacts your life. When you get a dog, you're going to most likely have them anywhere between 10 plus 12 years. And it's extremely important that, you know, when you get into that relationship that, you know, it's going to be long-term and you take the steps proactively to make sure that you're giving that dog the best uh, possible life that you can. And also giving yourself the best possible life with your dog for those 10 plus years that you're going to have them. So, uh, with that being said, what can people expect on the next podcast? And then we'll get into any of the questions that we might have on the live stream here. Absolutely. So for the next podcast episode, we are going to be talking about clear communication. And I'm really excited about this because I sense a new wave of a change in dog training. And I'm really excited to be at the forefront of that, especially when it comes to balance training. And so there's also a lot of um, misinformation and ambiguity around how to use training tools to develop clear communication. Um, anything that you use in training is going to be a training tool, whether it's food, flat collars, prong collars, dominant dog collars, a leash, an e-collar, um, your voice, everything. And so touching base on that, um, and provide a lot more clarity um, into clear communication and how to establish that with your dog. So going to go ahead and um, answer a couple. I think there's two questions here in the live stream. And so one from Lorik7 um, said, how do you balance consistency when a particular session isn't going well? Yeah, um, that's totally fair. It's hard to want to be consistent in training your dog when you're having some really bad training sessions. And so what I can say to you is that to either stop the training session, you know, give you and your dog a break, just, you know, a mental break and then come back to it. Or you need to go back, take a step back in training because there's some missing piece. Either your communication with the dog isn't clear enough um, or it's just they haven't had enough of the repetitions for them to do it. Um, so always end training sessions on a high note. So that way they're still wanting to be motivated and um, want to be engaged in working with you. Um, I totally understand how that can be frustrating, but taking a break, going a step back in training of whatever it is that you're working on or just 
stopping what you're working on right now and then work on the things that the dog already knows, like the sits and the downs and the climbs and, you know, whatever it may be. One other suggestion too um, that I found really helpful is recording your training sessions because you'll be able to look at your dog's body language, look at your body language, review some of the reasons that the session might have failed or that it didn't go the way that you had hoped for. Um, I'm not doing a ton of training sessions, but obviously I, we do a lot of content and I record a lot of Natalie's training sessions and she records herself and I can review those and kind of see some of the nuances. So if you've ever played sports or on a sports team, it's a lot like reviewing film, watching your plays and figuring out what you could have done better and then implementing it the next time around. Yeah, absolutely. And so Siren, (laughs) uh, the... Siren the Shepherd said it's hard to be consistent when other members of the household don't hold up to the same end as you. Yes. Um, I've already had several clients that said that that is their biggest pain point. One of uh, my puppy clients, she had her mother there during the training session so that way her mother could hear directly from me about how important it is that all members of the household hold the dog to the same exact standards. And um, yeah, that can be incredibly difficult, especially if one person is very particular with how they want a behavior to be done and they work incredibly hard towards it. And then another person potentially does it, but just doesn't hold the dog to the same standard. Um, It's completely correct that it doesn't matter who trains the dog if it's the same sorts of behaviors and in one person they learn that they can blow it off sometimes but not with the other person they're still going to try and blow it off the commands that they're doing as much as possible it's kind of like if you have a service from someone it doesn't matter who comes to your house to service you know whatever it may be if you have a poor experience with one of them and you had a good experience with the other one, it doesn't matter. Your overall impression of that company is like, "Mm, I don't want to do this anymore or whatever it may be. So consistency through every single person in the household is really important. So I totally feel you. Thanks again for joining us on this episode of the Canine Performance Podcast with Matt and Natalie. And we will see you all next time to discuss clear communication. Clear communication, something we can all benefit from. So you can find us on the web at www.canineperformancecoach.com and on Instagram at canine underscore performance. We'll see you guys in the next one.